God, thank you so much for your word, God. And as we come to you, we ask you bless it. Lord, as we've been calling out to you for your Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now, Lord. And we welcome you in this study of your word. And I pray you'd speak to us. I pray you would move upon us. I pray you'd transform us. And I pray, God, that you would input into our minds, God, your truths. And may it just push out all the lies of the devil. And may we think thoughts that are true and pure before you. So bless this time. Touch it with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in uh, 2008 at the Big Ten track, championships runner heather door uh let's see dornaden of the university of minnesota was the favorite to win the 600 meter race yet her finish of that race seemed doomed because as uh dornaden was leading the pack she was way ahead she actually tripped and took a hard fall coming right into the last 200 meters her competitors, while well, they uh, continued on uh, going around her and leaving her in the dust. Well, it seemed she was done. It seemed like that was it. But you know what? Dornadin did not give up. Getting back on her feet, she sprinted. And to the surprise of everyone, she caught up to the front runners right before the final straightaway. She put everything into getting to the finish line and guess what she won the race amazing the tragic fall turned into a total win at the finish line well you know i was thinking about this as jesus died on the cross it seemed like a sad and tragic loss but for god it was actually a total win at the finish line there when he died and we understand why because it was at the cross that Jesus died and suffered for our sins. And there we can have salvation, the forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. So as we return to our study, we come to really the final statements of Jesus on the cross. As you know, we've been studying the seven sayings or the seven statements or the seven last words of Christ on the cross. And all of this, as we even come to this last three they show that Jesus finished in victory over sin. So we come tonight to the last words of Jesus, part three. And that's the title of our message. The last words of Jesus, part three. And we will be covering John 19, as I have you turn there, from verse 28 to 30, the first part. And also we're going to be looking at Luke 23, Verse 45 and 46. So those, those are, we're going to get back to Luke. We originally, right, our study is in the book of Luke and we're making our way. And I thought, well, you know what, let's uh, really get into the seven sayings on the cross and because um, we're going to go in and out of Luke. And so I figure we'll, we'll do a whole study on that. So remember in part one now, we saw the words of forgiveness and the words of assurance. Now it's back in Luke. And then part two, last week, we saw the, the words of compassion. And the fourth statement, words of abandonment. Now tonight, in part three, we see the final three statements. Five, six, and seven. Words of suffering, words of accomplishment, and words of confidence. 
So though that's what we're going to see tonight, the last three sayings on the cross. So let's begin with the fifth one, number five in our outline, words of suffering, words of suffering. Now for here, we're going to be in John chapter 19, and we're only going to look at verse 28 and 29. We'll get to verse 30 later. But for now, let's go ahead and read verse 28 and verse 29 of John 19. It says here, And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full, full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. So we're going to stop right there. Now we begin with these two words, after this. John is writing here in the Gospel of John, the Apostle John, and he says, well, after uh, this, which he was referring to what he just talked about, above that. Now we saw that in the third saying. We saw that last week, a number three in outline, words of compassion. So we saw that in the third saying of Jesus, uh, but uh, and John's writing here, after that, after that, then Jesus was saying this word, I thirst. But actually, if you put all the Gospels together, this is actually after the fourth saying. And what we saw last time was the words of abandonment. So you remember, uh, for, for Jesus now, he, he's saying after, John writes after this, but Jesus knowing that all was now finished. So Jesus is knowing, knows that the mission of God, of why he's there, that it's completed. The mission of redemption, that he's taken on the sins of the world. So if we put the Gospels together here, in between verse 27 28, Jesus, remember, said the fourth saying on the cross, the words of abandonment, when he yelled down, we saw uh, this in, in um Mark, I believe it was. Where was that? Yeah, in Mark 15, where he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we studied that last week. You remember, darkness came upon the land. The first three statements of Jesus was between 9 and 12. But at 12 p.m. now, uh, darkness covered the land till 3 p.m. And it was all dark. And it was a symbol of judgment being poured upon the cross. Remember, there's darkness in the land of Egypt right before the last plague that came. And so that was just a symbol of God's judgment being poured upon Jesus as he took upon all of our sin on his body while he was hanging on the cross. So then at 3 p.m., if you remember, that's when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The words of abandonment, meaning the, fa the Father, Father God, had turned his back on Jesus because all that sin was upon him. So we saw that last time. So now as we come into verse 28, so after the fourth statement, Jesus, knowing that it was all finished, what the, the mission of redemption was done, he had taken upon his body all the sin. The judgment had been poured upon him. Now at this moment now, he said, I thirst. And that's the fifth statement from the cross. I thirst. It's the shortest one. It's just two words there, basically. And John adds here in verse 28 that it, it, he said it actually to fulfill Scripture. 
Well, we know in Psalm 69:21, the second part, it reads, For my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. So it's prophesied what we're about, what we see here in verse 29 is actually what was written in the psalm and what was going to happen to Jesus. So Jesus says, I thirst, this fifth statement. So with that, hearing that, the, the soldiers now, they, uh, nearby them, there's a, nearby the cross there, there's a jar full of sour wine. Now what that is, is it's cheap wine, basically. It's uh, kind of watered down, cheap wine. It's not the good stuff. It was what the soldiers had. Now understand this, this is different from Matthew 27, 34, when, when Jesus was first put upon a cross earlier in the morning there that he was offered what it says, wine mixed with gall. Gall was this herb kind of thing, and it, it, it would help those hanging on the cross. to, to it, it was like a medication to help numb them from all the pain that they were fe- feeling. But Jesus had rejected that. It, it, Jesus had refused to drink that, and I believe because he wanted to take the full brunt of the suffering and pain uh, that he was going through to take upon the, the penalty for the sins that, of us, of the world. But this drink here, verse 29, was different. It was sour wine, it was cheap wine, the soldiers had it around. This drink was different. So the soldier put it, uh, so, you know, soaked it in a sponge, uh, put it on a hyssop branch, which is a common plant around that area, and held it up to Jesus' mouth, who was hanging up there on the cross, and so that he could take a drink, and they put that to his mouth. So what was going on here? Why did Jesus say, I thirst? Well, it was to fulfill the scripture. But this was really his, his last desperate swallow to wet his throat. That's what it was for. To wet his throat. Why? Because in the next statements he's going to say, he's going to declare some amazing things. And he wanted to not just say it, you know, like barely, because his throat was totally parched, but loudly and make a declaration. But for now, for here, where we're at with, with what we're looking at in this first section, I want you to see two things. And the first thing is this. The fifth statement, words of suffering, shows how much Jesus suffered in his humanity. So that's what I want you to pick up on here. Just for him to call out and say, I thirst, that he needed to wet his throat uh, because he's going to make this declaration. But just that fact, his throat was that parched. It shows how much Jesus suffered in his humanity. Now, understand, right, Jesus did not have any liquids since the Passover meal the night before, right? It was way, way, um, uh, uh, it, it was all the way into the next day, and he hadn't drunk anything. He hadn't had no water, nothing, yeah? And think about what he had been through. He'd been beaten. He's been scourged, right? Um, he's he's he all this blood loss all his fluids are low he he's hanging on the cross now and at this time from 9 a.m to 3 p.m is what six hours hanging in agony and pain and suffering and extreme pain extreme think about emotional distress 
and taking on the sins of the world and the judgment of God being poured upon him, spiritual agony. So you can imagine that his fluid level in his body is down. So you can imagine, like, I bet you his lips were just just cracked, you know, and dry. I bet you he had that, you know, sometimes when you, when you do a lot of exercise, you need water, you get that, like, cotton mouth kind of thing. And, and maybe his saliva is more like glue. There's no water. And, and so can you imagine him just pushing up on the nails? Remember on his feet, the nail on his feet, and pulling up on his wrist. And, and, and his, his, his throat is it, dry. And his voice basically just scrapes his dry throat. And he says, I thirst. Yeah. In that manner. Jesus is suffering here, probably literally, I'm sure, dying of thirst. So here's Jesus who is thirsting right now, but he is hanging there and suffering. So you and I would never have to suffer in spiritual thirst. This is Jesus. This is showing how much he suffered. John 6.35 says, Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So at this moment, the fifth statement, it's words of suffering, really. It's what he's going through. His throat is parched. And he's been suffering in his humanity. There's a second thing, though, I want you to realize here. And that is the fifth statement shows that Jesus understands, for he can personally relate to your suffering. So he went through the suffering, and he went through suffering in his humanity. So this fifth statement really shows in his suffering that, you know, he, he can personally relate to your suffering, our suffering, what we go through as human beings. Listen to Hebrews 4.15. This is the NLT. It says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So he went through it all. And so he can relate. He's not some far-off God in some ivory tower that doesn't understand what we go through as human beings. No, not at all. Remember, Jesus is God, but he came to this earth as a human being in the flesh, right? John 1 tells us. He knows what it's like to live life here on earth. He knows what it's like to, to live in a world that's crazy with with Satan around and with a, you know, to live in a fallen world yeah, that's, that's been cursed. As a child, we knew he grew up. It says in Luke 2.52, he grew in wisdom and stature. And I, I, I was thinking about well, like a, any normal kid. He grew up like a normal kid and he experienced, I'm sure, all the kid stuff, you know, all the things as he grew. We know as an adult in different scriptures like John 4.6, we know that he was weary. You know, so physically he was weary and tired. Uh, Matthew 4, 2 uh, talks about that he hungered. So he knew the pain of hunger. John eleven thirty three 33 talks about how he was deeply troubled. Uh, John eleven thirty five talks about how he wept. He cried. He shed tears. He felt that in his heart. And, and then as we're talking about right now, think of how he suffered on the cross, yeah? 
that knife of rejection from all the people, how quickly they turn from Hosanna, blessed be the name of the Lord who comes in the name of the Lord, to crucify him, crucify him. Imagine that. He, he knows the broken heart of betrayal. Yeah, when Judas, one of his own, turned on him. He knows the pain of injustice. How, how, how this whole false, you know, unjust trial happened for him and he ends up dying, hanging on a cross here. He understands physically how, how his whole body is just racked with unending pain right now. Jesus understands the depths of pain, of hurt, whether it's emotional or physical, the mental stress, the emotional stress that I'm sure, you know, in different trials and things we we go through, he hit the depths of it, probably uh, more worse than anything we have gone through. And I know some of you have gone through the worst things. But Jesus has experienced... (laughs) All of that in his life here on earth. So Jesus understands what you're going through. He's been through it too and and even worse. So understand that. That this statement really shows his suffering that he went to. And it shows how much he suffered in his humanity. But it also shows that he personally can relate to you. He, he, he He knows what you're feeling. So you know what that means. That means you and I, we can run to Jesus, yeah? We can go to Him. We can call out to Him. We can share our hurts, our pains. We can share the, the, the depths of that. We know there's someone there who truly can relate to us on our level. And that's Jesus. That's God Himself. And we know as Hebrews 4.16 says that we can find grace to help in the time of need. So tonight, are, are you hurting? Maybe you're connected online. You're, you're, you're hurting right now. There's, there's a lot happening, and it's, it's hard for you. Maybe you're here even tonight. You, you feel alone. Jesus knows exactly what that's like, and he can totally relate to you. And with that, he knows, guess what, how, he, how to help you. He knows you through and through. He's been through it himself, so he knows exactly how to help you, to comfort you, to strengthen you, to direct you to the truths of God that will heal you, deliver you, give you hope and strength to endure. So go to Jesus tonight. So in these last words of Jesus, we see number five, the words of suffering. And it says so much of what Jesus has been through. Well, now we go to words of accomplishment. Number six, second to last of seven sayings. Number six, words of accomplishment. Now, here we go to verse 30, but we're only going to take the first part. The rest of it we're going to be talking about in our next saying, our next statement. But for now, look at John chapter 19, verse 30. It's the first part. It says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And that's where we'll stop here. So Jesus received the sour wine. In other words, he, he took a drink. Yeah, It was enough to moisten his throat. It was enough for him to say two more statements on the cross. With that, Jesus 
He's, here it says in John chapter 19, he said, it is finished. But you know what? In Mark chapter 15, verse 37, it says that he said this with a loud voice. So you understand, it wasn't just, he's just, it is finished. No, he was able with the, his throat being moistened to say, it is finished. It was a declaration. He cried out with a loud voice. Now, the, the Greek word is tetelestai. It means completed. It means accomplished. It means finished. It speaks of something that stands finished and stays finished. It's all done, all power. The sixth statement, this sixth statement, it is finished from the cross. It, it wasn't done in a way of some last gasp of, of a dying man. No, the sixth statement from the cross was a declaration. It, 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 Jesus was saying, I've reached the finish line. I made it. I'm there. I'm at the finish line. I'm crossing it now. The sixth statement was a loud shout of triumphant victory. What was he saying? What was he saying? Well, here's what I want you to see. The sixth statement are words of accomplishment declaring the penalty of sin was fully paid. That's what he's talking about here. The words of accomplishment is declaring the penalty of sin was fully paid. Remember from 12 to 3, right? From 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. Yeah, was the darkness, was when Jesus took upon himself the sins of the world, every sin that was ever committed, he took upon his body in that pain, in his suffering, in the dying, and then the judgment of God was poured upon him. He took the brunt of all of our sin. Then at 3 p.m., I thirst, he moistened his throat, and then he said, it is finished. I have paid the penalty of sin. In ancient times, they found in archaeology receipts from merchants. Uh, from uh, found in, They found from ancient times. And, and these merchants, um, they would give these receipts um, um, uh, with, with this stamp on it for final payment on the invoice. And they would be stamped with that word, tetelestai. The work done on the cross had paid for our debt of sin. That's what Jesus is saying. I paid the debt. I paid the penalty. It's all paid off now. So when Jesus took upon the sin, all the judgment was, was poured upon him. And now, right here at his death, Jesus paid off our debt, that penalty of sin. It's been well said, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because he, we owe the debt we could not pay. And you guys know that saying. I say it plenty, but I love that, right? Jesus, he didn't have to pay this, but he did it for us. He took upon his body our sins, and he died. He took upon the judgment for our sins. He, he died in our place, and he paid the debt that we could not pay. So think about this this way. There's nothing else that we can do to add to our salvation. Think about that. Jesus says, 
It is finished. It's done. How? Sometimes we try and do something for that, right? Sometimes we try, oh, I, I messed up, I failed, I sinned here, God. So, well, I'm going to do something to atone for my sin, or I'm going to do some work. You know? I'll give more to the church, or I'll, I'll, I'll help somebody. You know, I'll go out of my way to help somebody, or, or, or maybe I'll, I'll read an extra chapter in my Bible today. And that, you know, sometimes we try and do that because it makes us feel better. That's why. We, we live in a world where um, there's, there's um, a reward for doing a good job, right? So we think, well, oh, I've got to make up, you know, with this. If I, 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 um, I, I uh, fail my wife and make her angry and hurt her, I'll go buy flowers to make her feel better, right? <laughs> you know, it, it, we have this thinking. And sometimes we think that with God, even after we come with, to Christ. But, you know, when we try and add something... I mean, we try and do something to, oh, atone for our sin, and maybe God will be more pleased with me if I do this thing. We're actually saying, well, Jesus, you know, you didn't do enough uh, when you died on the cross. I know you said it, was, it is finished, but uh, let, let, let me do a little more. No, we don't want to say that. When Christ said it is finished, it's done. How? He paid for all of our sins. Now there's a second thing I want, to sh- I want to mention is this. The sixth statement declares that because of the cross, the stronghold of Satan's control, think about this, is over. The sixth statement declares that because of the cross, the stronghold of Satan's control is over because Jesus died because Jesus took upon his body our sins because the judgment was put upon him because of the cross because of what he did the stronghold of Satan's control is over and that's his control over us you guys Hebrews 2 14 the second part and this is NLT again it says the son also became flesh and blood for only as a human being could he die and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death right the penalty for our sin was death no hope of heaven that would be the end that's it death hell That would be the consequences of our sin. But because Jesus, God, came, became a human being and died on a cross for us, he broke the power that the devil was holding over us, that we can be forgiven, that we could be made righteous, that we we can now be saved and cleansed and be given eternal life. That was all done, that stronghold of Satan. I like what A.W. Pink said. No longer has he, talking about the devil, any legitimate claim upon us. Once we were his lawful captives, but now God worketh in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. We are free of his power and control over our lives, you guys. We're freed of our sinful flesh and the bondage that we have had with, before Jesus. Now we are free to make that choice and live for God. We are, now God's working in our lives. And that's the incredible thing when he said, it is finished, that it was done. 
So don't listen to the lie of Satan. You are now free to choose to live for God. Not the devil. Not your sinful flesh. No more. Not anymore. There's something else though I want you to see when Jesus cried out and shouted out, It is finished. And for that we're going to go now to Luke chapter 23. So we're going to come back now to our study in Luke. And we're going to come into chapter Luke 23 and take a look at verse 45 now. Luke 23:45. Now, verse 45 comes after what we see in verse 44 when Luke talked about the darkness that came uh, all to, from all over the land until the ninth hour or 3 p.m. We learn that's what it is. And then verse 45 of Luke 23 says, While the sun's light fell and the curtain of the temple was torn in Two. So we're piecing things together from all the Gospels, and we're coming from John chapter 19, where Jesus says, it is finished. So when he said, it is finished, while the, the, it was that, that darkness, while he's taking upon uh, um, all the sins, and he, judgment was poured on him, and then he paid for the penalty for our sins, and while in that darkness, look what it says in verse 45, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. What separated the inner court of the temple and the holiest holies was this curtain, this veil. That was torn in two, right in half, in other words. Matthew 27 51 tells us that it ripped, you know what, from top to bottom, it went and ripped in two. Imagine, imagine what was going on. The people who were there around the cross of Jesus, they heard Jesus shout, It is finished. But think about the priests who were ministering in the temple. You know what they heard? They heard the ripping and tearing of this huge curtain. You got to understand, this, this, this is like unreal. It's like, whoa, what? this is like never before. God ripped the curtain. The, the, this veil, they called it, was 60 feet high. As high as from the top of the temple to the floor. It was 30 feet wide and it was four inches thick. That's how they made it. And that just ripped. Imagine the sound of that ripping when God ripped it. And then the priests who were there, they could see into the holiest of holies. You remember that's that, that inner room, right? Where the ark once sat. Yeah, where the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God, where once a year only one priest could enter the holiest of holies, right? He'd go in and, and, and bring the, the offering, and, and only one priest once a year could go in. No one could go in. Matter of fact, we know that they would tie a rope on his leg, right? The priest would go in, and there was bells on the you know, sewn to the bottom of his robe. And if they didn't hear the bells ringing, they, maybe he died because it was in the presence of God. Maybe there was some sin that wasn't atoned for. It could be dead. They could pull him out because anyone else who goes in there could die because that was the presence of God. So that curtain separated 
those two rooms, those two sections in the temple. But now it's all open, no barriers. All open for anyone. You know what this symbolizes? For anyone to go into the presence of God. Anyone under the blood would have access to Jesus. So here's the third thing I want you to see. With the sixth statement, it is finished, God ripped the veil, symbolizing there is now direct access to him. And that's through Jesus. God ripped the veil, symbolizing there's now direct access to him. Now you can be saved. Now you can be cleansed. Now with the righteousness of Christ, we can go to the Father. Now, as adopted children of God, we have our Heavenly Father we can go to. Direct access. I read about a young boy who burst into the throne room of a king. Someone conducting royal business complained, Don't you know the one on the throne is, is your king? You can't just come and, and jump around, fool around. Well, the boy ran and jumped right into the king's lap saying, He's your king, but he's my father. I like that picture. That's us. We can, like the song says, run to the Father. We have access to God. Our sin is forgiven. We're made righteous in Jesus. And we have that direct access. This new and living way through the veil, Hebrews 10, 19, 20 talks about. We don't have to first bring the right gift to God. We don't have to say some magic word. All we need is Jesus in our, our lives. All we need is salvation. All we need is Him, and we get in. You know, I was thinking about the, the song we were singing earlier, you know, based on John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, yeah? I am the truth. I am the life. And then what did He say? No one comes to the Father except through me. So understand that in all this, when Jesus said the words of accomplishment, it is finished, oh, it, it, it did so much. And I feel like it paid the penalty of our sin, the stronghold of Satan is gone. And, well, you guys, we, we, we don't need any inter, intermediary. Yeah, We can go directly to God. We have direct access now. All right, well, let's go to num number seven now, words of confidence. We've seen in these last three words of Jesus, five was words of suffering, six was words of accomplishment, and now words of confidence. And here we're going to look at Luke 23, verse 46, verse 46. It says here, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. So here's the moment where Jesus actually dies right there on the cross. Here's his very last words. I mean, his very last words uh, uh, here on the cross. It's the seventh one. And he utters from the cross. He says, and, and notice it, it, it isn't soft here. It isn't quiet, but with a loud voice, Luke writes. It's, it's like a declaration here. It's, it's like he's, he's letting everyone know what's going on. He's saying, Father. Notice, it's not my God, my God, right? 
Why have you forsaken me? It's Father. I, I feel like the relationship is restored. Yeah, that he's he's back. He's paid for all of our sins. The penalty done. It's it's finished. So now the relationship is back. So he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Like I entrust my spirit in the care of the Father. We know when the body dies, the spirit yeah moves on. And here's Jesus when he died. He says, God, I commit myself into your hands. I entrust them to you. I, I'm trusting you, God, as I'm coming to you. It means that Jesus is going to the Father. It means that, that the Father is there, again, taking care of him. Notice, too, when Jesus died and when he gave up his breath, it says here, that it, no one took his life. Jesus actually gave his life. Remember, he said, I laid down my life. No one takes it from me. Yeah. Even though he's put upon a cross unjustly, even though he was sentenced to condemned to die, basically they they were the murderers. In the end, Jesus was the one who gave up his life. He's the one who laid it down. He's the one who 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 actually uh, no one had power over that. I guess what I'm trying to say. He's the one who willingly gave his life and breathed his last. So this was the moment Jesus chose to die. And here he placed himself in the hands of the Father. So here's our last point. The words of confidence is Jesus entrusting his spirit into the care of the Father. The words of confidence is Jesus entrusting his spirit into the care of of the Father. You know, I think about that probably for human beings could be the greatest fear we have is death. Yeah. As human beings, that, that's scary. If you get some terminal disease or if you're, uh, or it might be cancer or something, and it, it can be very fearful, death. But for a believer in Jesus, that fear really is taken away. It's really toned down. Because we know, as it says in 2 Corinthians right, 5.8, and um, it's New King James in my, my uh, mind, is to be absent from the body, right? And it says to be present with the Lord. And we know when we leave this body, this old tent that Paul talks about, right? Our soul, our spirit goes to be with God. And so... There's no fear as believers. We're going we're gonna to be with Jesus. God will take care of our soul at death. And so this is the words of confidence. Same with Jesus, entrusting his spirit into the care of the Father. He has that relationship back again. He knows that they're together. They're, and, and so for us, it's that idea. This is what it's speaking to us, that as Jesus has paid the penalty for all of our sins, as, as we're, we can be believers, cleansed, and have eternal life, then we have that confidence. Yeah. Every believer in Jesus yeah, is going to be with him. Every loved one that passes and dies is going to go to heaven. And especially, I was thinking about, even with our beloved Lane's, 
death, his recent death. It's hard. We miss him. On this side, there's still tears, you know, coming out for that, even for myself. But what we know, that Lane is with the Father, right? We know that. Because Jesus said, it is finished. Because Jesus committed his life. So we know that is for us, that the Father will take care of even Lane. Any one of us who believes in him. So you know what this says, even in this last statement, and we have this confidence in ourselves, is that death is not the end of the road for believers. It actually is our finish line, if you think about it, right? Because at death, we're going to be in heaven. And to me, that's the finish line. That's what it is, right? I've run the race. I've kept the faith. Yeah? I've finished the race. And for those believers who have gone on before us, even Lane, he finished his race. We have our race. And when that time comes, and every one's days are numbered, the psalmist, psalms tells us, we have our time. And whatever God's will that is, in his sovereignty, whatever his will is, we can trust the Father that when our time comes and we're going to finish this race, that God will be there to receive us. That's the confidence we have because of what Christ did on the cross. I'd like to close with this. A pastor named J.R. Wilson was admitted into the hospital for the last time. Doctors told him the chances of survival were very slim and they were discussing with him maybe surgery that might help, but it would still come with a great risk. Well, the story says, with a sure eye, the pastor looked at the doctor and said, either way, doc, I win. I like that. Surgery or not, I'm still going to win. Surgery or not, I'm still going to reach the finish line. Surgery or not, I'm going to be in heaven. So we know this is true, that this is a fact because of everything we've seen here. In all the seven statements, if you put it all together, especially these last three, we know it's true. And we can, we can have full confidence in it. In these, the last words of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much, God, for what we've learned tonight. Lord, that in your suffering that you went through, God, as a human being, God, you suffered, Lord, the pains and the hurts, the betrayals, the Everything, God, physical, emotional pain, God, spiritual agonies, Lord. You suffered, Lord, all that we can even, more than we can even go through. And so you understand this. And we know you suffered, Lord, for us, God. We know you died and you paid the penalty for our sins. And we thank you so much for that, Lord. We thank you that 
in you we have eternal life and we can bank on that, God. We know in these last words that we find assurance of our salvation in you. And Lord, I pray that you would reassure us tonight of that salvation. The devil likes to come in and question our salvation. The devil likes to come in and make us feel so condemned and worthless and that tries to insert in there that, oh, God doesn't love you. See, you did so bad. But God, your truth tells us that we are cleansed, Lord, by your blood. Your blood cleanses us from all sin, 1 John 1, 7. We thank you that when we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, that you cleanse us of our sins. And we thank you as children of God because of Christ's death and his atonement for our sins that we now have access to you, God. And I pray, Lord, for anyone here struggling with that, that they would see the truth, Lord, that we can come to you as your children, that there are no more barriers. The curtain is torn in two. And you are there with open arms, Lord, wanting us to come, waiting for us to come. And Lord, I pray, God, for anyone here who's, who's hurting, perhaps from their own failures, who's hurting from situations or others or even relationships, God. Lord, I pray that you touch them right now. Heal them, comfort them. Pray for anyone who's hurting and from loss, Lord. Pray you bring comfort and healing. And Lord, may our eyes be turned to you, our hope. May we understand that we will, from death, rise again. And anyone who has passed Lord, before us, they are risen. They are with you, God. And thank you that today, right now, because you died on a cross and you rose again, that Satan has no stronghold over us. No more. We claim that truth for our lives, God. So may the power of your resurrection raise us up, Lord into living a new life in a new way, following after you, with you living inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.